All right, awesome. So um, as I like to do in my other interviews, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about you as an author before we start getting kicking on your novels. Um, to start off with, when were you inspired to become an author and really start getting your work out there? Uh, yeah, so look, I've, I've always had an interest in writing uh, since I was a kid. So when I was very young, uh, I loved reading epic fantasy and sci-fi and those sort of um, big world, you know, alternate world kind of adventure stories. And I loved just writing and, you know, that imaginative sort of stuff. But it really wasn't until I was in my sort of uh, late 20s, I think it was, mid, mid to late 20s, uh, I had a very, very dull job in a, in a call centre yeah. Um, incredibly boring and that that was actually a really good impetus for me because I thought oh, I can't do this with my life I can't just sit here and, and this is it yeah, um, so that's when the idea kind of started that look I've got to I've got to do more than just write little things I have to write novels I have to try and get something out there and, and you know try and build this into something that I can uh, do something with so I actually started writing um, while I was in that job on the bus on the way in, you know, on the way out, all that sort of stuff, because it was like a shift work kind of thing. And um, uh, I think it was, you know, an hour and a half or hour and 20 minutes either way on the bus. So there's so much time yeah, to, yeah, to start yeah. doing that. And that was really where it started. So I'd always wanted to, but never really thought seriously about it until I was looking, you know, down the barrel of a job that was intensely boring. And I thought, yeah. oh, come on, I've got to do something different. And, and mm -hmm. that's where it started. So tell us a bit about your background. Did you grow up in Australia? Yeah, yeah. I've always been in Australia. So I've, um, I was born in Melbourne, uh, uh, stayed in Melbourne most of the time when I was a kid. My, my family moved to WA for a few years, but I was sort of too young to really remember. So most of my memories of childhood are, are in um Melbourne, around the sort of uh, Ringwood, Croydon kind of uh, areas. Um, and then when I was a teenager, we moved to Cairns, which was a big, big, big move, um, incredibly different to what we were used to. We moved to the beachfront, um, which sounds amazing, but it was the worst beach in Cairns, uh, the worst house on the worst beach in Cairns. Um, and it had, uh, so there's our house, which was this sort of ramshackle building barely held together. Um, then there was a, a, a road, dirt road, and then there were rocks and then there was mud. And there was about an inch of sand just before you got to this thick, deep mud. Um <laughs> But as a teenager, it was amazing. I loved living there. It was such a good experience as a teenager. Um, you know, everything was dirty and salty and felt gross and all the rest of it. But you're right on the beach or the, the muddy beach, right on the water. Um, so that was amazing. So, yeah, I've kind of gone uh, uh, all over the, the place. Uh, and then obviously now I'm in uh, Brisbane. So kind of a mid-step, mid which, is, which is nice. And I've been here. Since I got married and uh, had a son, so I think 22 years I've been in Brisbane now. So this is awesome. kind of home. Awesome. So um, how has writing progressed for you over the years? Have you start, started doing a novel and then, then dropped it in pursuit of another idea? Yeah, so I have, I started writing epic fantasy and very quickly realized, so, so I still have a draft of my first epic fantasy book, uh, which is about 160,000 words. Uh, I started to realize as soon as it went to editing, uh, this is 
just going to destroy me. It's too yeah. much. It's too yeah. big. It's going to take too long. I can't, I can't do it. So that sat for a while. And then I, I started looking at other areas and what I eventually moved to or have developed into is um, first person present, very fast paced, narrowly focused um, stories but mm. set in a very expansive fantasy sci-fi world. So I can't help myself from building a, a really big world because that's what I love and that, that's what, mm. I, you know, sort of I enjoy doing. But writing in first-person present uh, kind of forces you to really narrow it down to that person's perspective and to bring the reader along a journey without getting lost in, you know, seven pages of describing a rock or a, you yeah. know, a castle or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that's the style I've gone to. And it also, allow, I'm really attracted to characters that have a, a smart mouth and that, um, you, you know, say the things that we wouldn't normally sort of say, well, we would want to, but we're not allowed to, you know, and that, yeah. that sort of stuff. And being in that first person perspective allows you to kind of speak through them yeah. and have the reader sort of speak through them as well, which is really cool. So that that's kind of the development. So since that first novel, and there were, I think there were two that I was toying around with, uh, I've written, so I think I'm on my 10th novel now oh, um, yeah. uh, in that shorter sort of 80,000, 90,000 word um, uh, format. And all, all, first, uh, uh, all except one, I think, a first person present. Um, and that was also the... the it was really interesting because the, the the first person present perspective, there's the danger that it becomes like it's written by a, a five-year-old, you know, like I did this yeah. and then I did that. And then I did, you know, so yeah. it's, you have to think of inventive ways to make it interesting to. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So um, was there a particular event in your life that inspired you to write in the sci-fi or fantasy genres? Um, no, I just have uh, an in intense distaste for reality i think i yeah, just don't <laughs> you know i'm just i'm not interested in in politics i'm not interested in science except where there's a cool idea that i think you know you can explore in a narrative setting or something like yeah. um never been interested in anything like that and if you give mm -hmm. me a choice of books to read now i mean i you know i've studied philosophy and you know read a lot uh, you know in university and all that sort of stuff um but I'm just always drawn to anything weird or, yeah, you know, yeah. a little bit strange or an alternate world or anything. So I guess, yeah, I'm one of those individuals that just is much more comfortable in a fantasy world than in a, in the real world. Cause the real world just feels, Too eh, dull. <laughs> you know, it's just a bit yeah. dull. Yeah. It's a, yeah, bit, it's a right. bit boring. Yeah. So you're obviously a very musical person by your background and all those guitars I see behind you. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about how um, music has inspired your writing. Yeah, so music, uh, music and writing have kind of gone uh, hand in hand. They're, they've both, uh, I've kind of explored both at the same time uh, and worked as a producer and, and worked with indie, um, indie artists as well as just composing things myself um, and, you know, in different styles. And I, I, you know, write for film and TV occasionally and, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, that, that's actually what funds part of uh, the, the writing side of things. Um, like most writers, I'll, I'll have periods where if I'm writing an action sequence, I'll, I'll have certain types of music going on that could get me in the mood. If I'm doing something suspenseful, I'll, I'll, I'll have that sort of music. Although you have to limit that. I find about half an hour in writing something suspenseful, if I've got music in the background, 
uh, of that genre, it will, um, my teeth will be clenched and all my muscles yeah. will be, you know, too tired. And so yeah. you've got to kind of limit that. Yeah. Um, so I do tend to do that. The, the other thing though, is I, so for any projects that I do, I haven't done it with novels yet, uh, but for the comics and graphic novels that I produce, um, I always do a music album to go along with them. Oh, awesome. Um, awesome. You know, to sort of get people in the character and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And one of them that I, that I have that's actually, I think it's coming out next month, um, is a um, book of short stories set within this sort of fantasy world. Uh, and the idea is there's short stories and then there's a, a song tied to each short story. So you listen to oh, the song cool. while you're reading the short story and it gets you in the mood and all that sort of thing. Um, so that that's a really interesting one. It's it's quite hard to communicate and control because obviously you can't force people to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I've tried to do those sorts of things um, and and try and blend the two mediums together because I think that yeah that they both tell a story. Mm, um, definitely. And then the the, the natural uh, progression from that is uh, audio books and yeah, definitely. Or, or you know audio novellas or those sorts of things, which I've I've dipped my toe into, but they're a lot of work. So at this stage, yeah. I've only done short short pieces. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a pretty broad question, and you've sort of answered it um, in parts, but um, I think it's a good question nonetheless. How has um, your life experiences? sort of developed your writing over the years? I think um, to be terribly unoriginal, the, the, one of the more uh, profound things is, is having a child. Um, yeah, definitely. That really does give you a very different perspective on a lot of things. And even, even just the, the fact of being a father, mm. when obviously I've grown up with a father and mm. when you, you don't have kids yourself, uh, it's it's almost like first of all you can't you don't consider that your parents ever existed before you did so you don't yeah. consider that there was any life before you yeah. yeah um and likewise you as you're when you're a kid you're not really thinking uh hang on these these guys are fumbling through it like they're they're trying to figure out what the right thing to do uh, or how to raise me or whatever and i had two brothers so you know there's fighting and all sorts of stuff going on yeah, and you just never look at it from your parents perspective so that shift in perspective uh, is really important but also the there's some evolutionary thing inside us when we have a kid it doesn't work for everyone but for 99 percent of us where as soon as that baby is born, you, everything changes and you just throw yeah. your, you will give anything to protect this little precious package. And mm-hmm. from, uh, so my, my son is um, you know, almost a teen. Um, uh, from what I hear from everyone else, when it doesn't matter how old they get, it, it, that never goes away. That feeling of, of intense love and protection and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. that, that sort of shift really helps because characters quite often uh, in any sort of genre, but what I write, I'm characters, uh, I tend to start with a character that's very strong, very powerful, and then through circumstance systematically strip them back to their bare components where they don't have those, those sort of things. So they, they go through these intense emotional shifts. So if you've gone through that yourself, um, it's really hard to think, yeah, I, I, I just I thought differently about the world at one point and then this change happened and it significantly changed. It it's just colours everything differently now. Um, so that has really helped in writing um, and 
you know, putting characters in exactly that same position of like, oh, wow, the whole world has changed. You know, how do I work with that? So that's probably one of the big ones, I'd say. Yeah, yeah that's really good, Morgan. I love the, um, the transitions that you're talking about. But just sort of flowing on from what you've just said, um, in the sci-fi genre or fantasy genre, is there a particular theme or setting that you like to focus on? Yes, yes, there is. So all, all of my stuff tends to go uh, a little bit steampunk, um, a little bit, okay, not a little bit, very weird, um, very quickly. Um, so the, the one of the main settings for one of my, um, the main series that, that I'm writing uh, is a city called Rust. And it's effectively, it, it's it's a dream city. So it's located in kind of a dreamscape. Um it's called rust because the walls are made of old iron and brick and all that sort of stuff. And they've rusted over the years and all this sort of, so it's um, just a hodgepodge of people from all different races and times and places all sort of smashed together. Uh, it's a cruel place. It's uh, there's too many people on top of each other. It's all that sort of thing. And I, I love that kind of dense, um, cruel if you like environment uh where there are those that have and those that don't and they're kind of right next to each other and uh, the, the you know the city's primed for revolution effectively it's that kind of thing yeah. um and within that are horror aspects and a lot of steampunk kind of um mechanisms and things going on um so i love anything to that one of my favorite writers is china mieville and um you know Pedido street station um crack and you know the scar, all of those sorts of things. And I love his stuff. I could never write like him. Um, it, sometimes I, I feel like reading his stuff is like reading concrete. Sometimes it's very dense. It's it's yeah. hard work sometimes. Yeah. Um, but he just has so many amazing ideas. And I love the weirdness of it and the uh, having mundane things next to these exceptionally weird, strange sort of things. So yeah, a lot of what I what I write tends to have that. So I write kind of fantasy sci-fi but not sword and sorcery fantasy and not epic um you know space opera sort of sci-fi yeah Yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of a different different sort of blend but that's the stuff i like yeah awesome so um how do you manage writing um do you prefer to write early in the morning or late at night and do you sort of have a schedule to fit your writing in yeah, so this is another one where um, my son has influenced a lot of this because um, mm. he, up until the last year, uh, would get up at 4 a.m. every morning regardless of anything. Oh, so wow. I used to write at night quite a bit. I, I, I'd write till 12 at night. Awesome. Uh, and that very quickly changed when we had a, a, a child. So uh, since then I've adapted and now uh, 4 or 5 in the morning I'll start writing and I'll write for an hour or two every morning. Awesome. Um, I find my brain is a lot clearer at that time of day. So it, it's actually easier for me to write. Even if I'm tired, my brain will come up with the ideas I need and, mm. you know, mm. uh, work, you know, function a bit better. And then essentially I'll, I'll have a different goal depending on whether I'm writing or editing. Um, so, f- for example, the book that I've just finished the first draft on uh, is called The Seven Hungers. It's a second second book in a series. Yeah. So it's <laughs> – thank you. It's – um. Uh, wait till you see the cover. The cover is amazing. An artist friend of mine did the cover work and it was just so good. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that the first novel is being released, uh, when is it? Next month, about this time next month, mid, mid-March. 
Um, so that's written, but of course I've got to get the second one ready so that when people read the first, there's another one to follow up yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So I'm pushing myself to try and get that done, managed to get the first draft done. So while I was writing the first draft or while I'm writing a new project, um, I'll aim for, you know, a thousand words a day. Yeah. Um, if, if I can, if I can get that, um, and some days it'll be 2000 to 5,000, some days it'll be 500, but if I, I know I can do a thousand without too much of an issue. So mm. it's a bit less pressure on me to, to, you know, to do that. Yeah. Uh, when I'm editing though, it'll usually be two to three chapters that I'll say, all right, I need to get through editing two chapters. That's good. Um, particularly with the first draft as well, because the first, I mean, you obviously go faster when you're editing because you're reading rather than writing, but mm. you find so many mistakes and things yeah. you've got to add in and then ideas that you've got to, and, you know, even the time that you spend trying to figure out what you called this thing five books ago or two chapters yeah. ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's sort of different measurement, um, but as long as I'm doing something like that, um, that keeps the, keeps the demons at bay and makes yeah. me feel like I've, I've done what I need to do. Yeah. Awesome. So um, final author related question. It's a bit quirky and I like asking each author this question. Um, if you could do something during your adult life to become a better writer, what oh. would you do? Oh, it's a bit tricky. Wow. <laughs> That's an interesting one. So many things. I'm a pretty, um, a pretty stay at home kind of dude. Uh, so, so I'm not that adventurous, particularly when it comes to, you know, overseas travel or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would be, I mean, everything that you do, you tend to add something to writing, but it would have to be something very different to what I've done mm. creatively. So it would be something overseas in a different country, maybe speaking a different language mm. uh, and yeah. something completely like diving for shells or something, something, yeah. you, you know, or abalone or, or something weird like that that is so far away from anything that I've ever done before with yeah. people I, I would never normally meet. Something like that would be would be pretty cool. Mm. Um, but you'd have to get me there in the first place, which is, yeah. <laughs> that's the trick. Awesome. Um, so getting onto your books now, could you let us know um, the title for your first series and just mm -hmm. give us a little bit idea, bit of an idea about what it's about? Yeah, so the first series, uh, Whiplash is the first uh, book in the series. So the, so there's a, a series which is probably Rust Chronicles is the name of the whole thing. Um, so there are short story collections, um, novels, and novels from different perspectives of different characters. So Whip, Whiplash is the first one um, that's, that's come out. Um, as well as a graphic novel, or it's really a graphic novella. It's not, not a novel size. It's only a small, small book um, called The Script Rebellion. And they kind of intertwine, but from different perspectives. Um, mm -hmm. So Whiplash itself is probably the easiest way to get into the series. And it's a, it's a kind of young adult, um, you know, fantasy novel. But again, first person present, very fast, very. Mm -hmm. The whole idea behind that book is I wanted to get a main character who's an 18-year-old um, guy named um, Jack, uh, very ordinary, very normal, essentially ripped out of his life, uh, abducted, brought into a whole new strange world where he's forced to fight in a war that he doesn't understand. Um, and it moves at a cracking pace so the reader um, feels that same sort of disjointed what, what the heck is going on i don't know where i am i don't know what's going on at the same time that he's trying to discover what's going on and all the rest of that um 
essentially the premise, as, as I mentioned before, there is this um, dream world that sort of exists uh, and it's built by the fabric of dreams, essentially. So if I'm dreaming and I dream of something that happens in the city of Brisbane as I'm in there, and then let's say, you know, 10,000 people at a certain time at night dream of that same city, there's a shadowy representation of Brisbane that, that pops up within this dream world. And there's, so there's all these cities that are kind of ebbing and flowing. And, but at the centre of this dream world is this city called Rust. Um, no one remembers the real name because it's been there for so long and it is permanent. It's the only sort of permanent place that stays there. It's ruled over by a cruel uh, demigod type figure uh, and her cadre of, um, you know, lieutenants. Mm. um it's oppressive it's cruel uh, and essentially the way that people come to that city is they dream themselves in there and some people on rare occasions are unable to wake up so they just end uh, up there and their body dies and then they be, they live the next life you know and this sort of thing that's um, so yeah so there's a whole bunch of <laughs> so many things that you can yeah. do with that and so many but the, the essential thing is it's in the middle of a, a revolution on the back of a previous revolution 40 years earlier that failed because yeah. there's nothing better to write than a failed revolution because yeah. it's much more interesting than a successful one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that that's the premise. And then he's, the, Jack is kind of caught up in that that whole thing. Uh, and then there are, uh, so that, that first book, Whiplash, is out now. Um, yeah. And then there's another two uh, books in the series that will hopefully be coming out this year. Uh, and then the fourth one I'm halfway through writing, so I have to get that one out. But uh, no idea how many, but there'll, there'll be a few more after that as well. Um, then there are a few novels from the perspective of, of other characters that you meet in that Whiplash story. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so there's a sort of crime detective novel mm-hmm. um, called The Blood Below, which will uh, probably come out this year as well. Um, and then there's a few other novels that are, you know, from different perspectives that are coming out. Um, and then there's the script rebellion, which is that, that graphic novella, very different style. Um, it's a really quirky style of artwork and mm. it's written in a different, you know, it's a more of a ye olde English style of writing. Mm. Um, uh, and then, um, potentially this year, a couple of comics from the whiplash universe as well. So kind of a, a you know, a broad, yeah multimedia yeah. type type thing yeah yeah i love how you've branched out into all these areas with one concept it's great um so when and where were you first inspired to write this series uh it was around about the time uh that i was talking about where i was um uh working that dead-end job uh <laughs> not really happy and starting to write and starting to think of, of ideas so i, I wrote one uh, one novel, um, uh, and I'm actually just looking up while while we're talking because I, I wrote I wrote a novel. Uh, I wasn't really um, happy with it. It was it was okay. It was a, a really cool sci-fi idea, but I just wasn't gelling. I was mm. throwing around other ideas, and then for something I was doing, I can't remember whether it was a uni um, assignment or something. I was looking at Salvador Dali uh, paintings. Mm. Um, and I'm actually looking online now to see which one it is. Um, I saw this one. So he's obviously a surrealist, um, mm. uh, but oh, I can't find a painting. Anyway, um, there's this one painting that he's got. I can't remember what it is. Uh, and it is just a desert landscape 
ironically, nothing surreal about it. It's it's one it's it's one of you know you would think for me it would be the weird one with the melting clocks or you know something yeah. bizarre yeah. like that, but yeah. it's his most plain kind of thing that he's done. So it's just a, a desert landscape um, with a little horse buggy kind of in the middle of the frame moving towards a very small city in the distance, mm. um, <clears throat> and I saw that. And just uh, first love the idea of this kind of city, um, and it's quite a yellow tint to the the version of the um, image that I saw. But then there was another one beside it, which was kind of a little bit redder. Uh, and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool if it was more of like a Mars kind of vibe? You know, red yeah. red earth, red dirt, red sand. <clears throat> and the idea just sort of spiraled from there centrally around that city and then the idea of whiplash and how people interact with that city um, became the big thing so so it really started with that image um, while I was working in that job and then just writing notes drawing things and then slowly you know sort of expanding from there awesome I love that painting concept so um did you plan out this series or did you just did you just sit down and let it rip uh, I, I was experimenting with short stories because I, I tend to be a little bit verbose when I write. So I was mm -hmm. trying to uh, curtail that a little bit. Yeah. So I started writing some short story stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then with this Rust idea, I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll write short stories because also, so th there's a book called Rust Chronicles uh, Volume 1, which will come out this year at some time. Uh, and it has these short stories. This is the one that has the short stories and the music lined up to them. It's that it was yeah. that idea. The beauty with the short stories was they're quick to write. Mm. You can get them done quickly. You can edit them quickly and you can do one at a time and then fit them together. And so I was basically telling the story of this city and some of the characters within it mm. with, I think there's 16 short stories that take place. Some of them are very small. Some of them are much longer. The script rebellion story is actually in that volume as just a text story. Um, there's modern versions. So the, the, the blood below that sort of crime novel um, that is in there, but in a different form. Uh, so it, that was really the thing that started. It was just, I'll just write some really cool short stories about interesting characters that I think would interact with this world in an interesting way. Mm. And half of the book are characters who are in the real world and they, Inter, you know they dream of the red city or they're somehow involved in it and then the second half of the book are all characters that are in that city in the dream world oh, awesome. not in our reality so it kind of shifts shift focus um yeah so it started with that and then the novels kind of came out of the, mm. the characters that had already popped up that i really liked um mm. in the short stories and kind of went from there awesome so um you mentioned that painting. Were there any other writers or artists that you looked to while writing these books for inspiration? Uh, absolutely. Well, so so China Mieville, like I said, he, he's probably my biggest influence. Um, uh, the, just the the ideas that uh, more than more than any other writer, I find for my style, he will mention something casually in a couple of sentences that is so profound to me that I think I could write a whole series just on that amazing, really, really, you know, great idea. There's yeah. just so many big ideas that he comes up with in these, almost in the cracks, like in between the yeah. actual story that's happening. And that's the stuff I love. So th there are, there's definitely a lot of leaning on China Mieville stuff. Um, I also like um, Jack Vance. His, 
not his fantasy stuff so much, but the sci-fi stuff, um, uh, Eyes of the Overworld, the uh, Kugel Saga, those sorts of uh, ones, because again, of the weirdness and the uh, almost formulaic oddity of how he he will use props and things within the story to that really shift. You know, mm. everything revolves around this one quirky little thing. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I obviously like yeah. that. Um, so they're they're two of the main ones, uh, and then uh, there's obviously I, I will like I, I I didn't didn't realize you don't realize this until you go back and you read these old classics. Um, I'd always had an idea, Terry Brooks, um, you know, the druids of Shannara and sorry, I almost messed it up uh, and that whole series. So I read a lot of those when I was a teenager. Um, and then as I, you know, and then a bit of Robert, Robert Jordan. And then I went on to um, uh, Eyes of, uh, it's the biggest franchise in the world, uh, <laughs> fantasy. It's on HBO. It was massive and it's just they're releasing a new, why can I not remember the name of like the biggest songs of ice and fire? Yeah. And Game of Thrones. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, that's just embarrassing. <laughs> so the books, I started reading, uh, you know, the, the books and they were amazing, but I tell you what, I read the, I listened to the audio books. There is no way I would read um, the, the text versions because mm-hmm. man, George R. R. Martin, yeah. That dude just gets right into the heraldry and just yeah. so, so many descriptions of flags and standards yeah. and the, and I just get my brain gets lost of where I am. So anyway, the yeah. uh, so the, the, those sort of things. Jo- Joe Abercrombie is another one that's a, an amazing writer of fantasy stuff. So yeah, they're kind of the 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 ones. But honestly, um, China Meowville is the main one, and and I would um, there's that, and then there's film. A lot of my writing leans probably more on film than than. Um, other other uh, written works. Um, Definitely. Again, anything weird um, set in a strange setting. There's even, you know, like Dark City. Um, uh, oh, there's a whole heap of, I can't even remember some of these films, the names of some of the films, but the, any, anything of those weird films where, mm-hmm. or even uh, scenes, like for instance, in Hellboy 2, um, where, which was, I can't remember, that was 10 years ago now or even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go into, I think it's Goblin Alley is this place they go into. Um, and you walk in there and it's just dense with weird creatures and people wearing all different weird stuff. It's mm. only, you know, a few minutes of the, the whole movie, but that sort of image struck me so much. And I'm thinking that's what the cities of Rust are like. That's what it feels yeah. like. It's, you yeah, know. yeah, awesome. Um, so, yeah, they're kind of the, the key influences, yeah. Oh, and I have to also mention Dune, obviously. Um, yeah, of course. The whole June, June series, the June, yeah, yeah that that imagery, absolutely, yeah. Awesome, I'm loving those books. So, um, tell me a little bit about your themes in your series, um, and what type of feelings are you trying to evoke from your writing? Yeah, so, um, a lot of it is driven by fear and peril, and as yeah. I said before, having a in a lot of my writing, I'll have a very strong character that will get stripped down to being, you know, weak and have to deal with that, the trauma of that. Yeah. Um, the other one, though, certainly on the whiplash side, and the funny, because there's a bit of humour in the story, that the funny thing I love about the whiplash series is the main character, Jack, is even three books in, clueless as to what's going on and the weakest individual it it doesn't know what he's doing he's winging everything 
but he still nevertheless has something in him that is so vital and important that essentially the fate of the universe hinges on him, mm-hmm. but he doesn't control it. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just trying desperately to survive and surrounded by incredibly capable people who know their stuff and he just doesn't. And particularly there's uh, there's a couple of love interests in the, in the, the story and one in particular uh, is just so strong and vibrant and she is well-trained and ruthlessly efficient, all, all the things that he isn't, you know, he'll, he'll yeah. trip over his own feet, you know, and he, there's this sort of goddess next to him. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, a friend that he has uh, who's an assassin um, uh, called Shadow Fang. And she's amazing because she's called shadow fang because she needed to make up a name for herself and thought it was cool. So she, she, that's her invention. It's not that, uh, you know, other people are calling out. She's just calling us off that. Her, her, actually, I won't tell you her real name because it'll ruin some of the surprises, but um, uh, so yeah. And again, just incredibly powerful, incredibly strong, but he's not. Um, so I love that idea of the difference between the power and the not having power. And yeah. then the, the key thing that happens again and again is, um put the things that the hero loves in jeopardy and then see yeah. what they do yeah. um which is a pretty standard yeah you know kind of thing like like yeah take what you love and threaten to destroy it or even destroy it or destroy part of it and then see how the hero deals with that that trauma mm. um, yeah so did you find you changed at all as a person while writing this series were there any new things you discovered about yourself in the process I definitely, as a writer, I definitely discovered that um, I have a certain style and a certain way of handling situations, which uh, I'm trying to not do the same every time because we, yeah. we're very predictable creatures, yeah. uh, particularly in going back and editing, because there are a few years between when I did the initial drafts of some of these novels and then went back and then re-edited them so they could get released with the, my current publisher. Mm. Um, so because of that, I've gone back and there's so many things I've forgotten, but as I'm editing, my memory's so bad. It's like I'm reading it fresh. So some things I'll remember, other things I won't. So sometimes I'll genuinely be surprised and think, oh, that is so cool. I'm so glad I did that because that's what I would want to happen. That's amazing. Other times I'll be writing or editing and I'll get to a point and I'll think, oh, I really need to, he hasn't spoken about this thing and I need to mention that. Otherwise it's going to be important later on. So I put it in there. Two paragraphs later, I've mentioned it. You know, so I was already obviously thinking that it's just yeah, that I'm, yeah. you know, that happens a lot. Or, or I'm, you, uh, a lot of people have this, uh, this um, happen, I suppose. So mo- most of my thinking is done at night, right before I'm going to bed. That's when all of the, the next day's writing is sort of going through my head yeah. and all the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, and I used to write everything down, whereas I don't now um, for two reasons. One, one is I just, run over it again and again the main plot points yeah yeah because i realized um even if i write it down it doesn't matter when i go to write a certain scene if i know the rough details i'll always tend to do the same sort of thing anyway so Mm -hmm. i don't need to worry about forgetting something because me being me i'm going to write it a certain way yeah Um, yeah. and then i suppose the only other thing was that that fact is okay because everything in me has been pushing to i've got to be different and i've got to not be predictable and everything Mm -hmm. but then you realize well hang on not enough people know about me yet you know i I actually i have a voice it's taken me a long time to find that Mm. Maybe I should just write 
everything that I'm doing in this same voice for a while and just see how that fits and not be too worried about, oh, people are going to think I'm predictable. Mm. That's fine, you know. That, that's so, so, yeah, I suppose being a bit more comfortable with that has been nice as well. Awesome. So this sort of ties a little bit to what you just mentioned. Um, but I know myself from experience that all writers go through a period of self-doubt. How have you continued on writing despite feelings of self-doubt? Yeah, so this is where the medium change helped me a lot because um, uh, so I'd been trying to get novels published. It's a very familiar story, trying to get novels published, trying to get uh, find a literary agent for two or three years, um, 300 odd rejection letters, um, mm-hmm. a couple coming back saying, you know, this is really interesting. Can you send me the details? Mm-hmm. I'll send more details. And then all I get back is, uh, oh, it's not what I thought. Yeah, yeah, which is hugely helpful because it's like, well, well, what did you think? What, what help yeah. me? How should I do this? Yeah, well, yeah. You know, or or just the standard, just this isn't what we're looking for at the moment. Uh, and at that time, you know, I was obviously a bit younger, and I, I didn't appreciate. There are so many reasons a literary agent won't pick you up. It could be, look, I've already got a writer that writes exactly the same sort of stuff that you do. Why mm. would I compete with myself and have another one? It could be, look. We just can't sell those at the moment. That's not what the publishers are after. There's lots of reasons and they're going to play the odds and go for the best. So if a sports star comes to them and says, oh, someone's going to ghostwrite a crappy bio, you know, book about my career, it's Mm. going to be badly written, but it'll sell a bazillion copies because I'm well known. Well, of course, you're going to go for that because it will sell. And ultimately, there's a business behind it and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so I went through that really bad dip of, well, I'm never going to make it. So what's the point of trying? And this was early on in self-publishing. So it wasn't as easy to get things out there. Yeah. I did have a, a little crack at it, but there's also that feeling of particularly back then, there's that feeling of, well, I've failed and I'm, you know, there's a, the shame involved with self-publishing, particularly in those early days of like, well, yeah. you're just yeah. funding this thing yourself because you didn't make it much less like that this day uh these days which is really really good but Mm. then the thing that changed me was when i I got turned on to comics and indie comics and graphic novels and those sorts of things it was about seven years ago or so Mm. maybe a bit longer and when i finally discovered them i thought wow this is an amazing medium and Mm. i could start now and i could get a comic done and out and there's this huge so there's still publishers there's a lot of publishers and i've published some of my stuff through publishers a lot of it i've just self-published as well mm. but in the comics there's not that same stigma necessarily about self-publishing your comics mm. um and using things like kickstarter and those sort of platforms there is a, a it's been done before and it's very successfully and so that kind of helped because I could use the novels I've got, write them into comic scripts, work with an artist, put the work out there, and then just to get some immediate feedback that, oh, okay, people actually do like this stuff. It's, it's yeah. valuable. Yeah, that's great. And then that gives me enough impetus to then go, well, I'm going to go back to the novels and I'm going to keep writing and developing the story because there's enough there. And if I don't get a massive publisher, that's fine because I've got a, a mid-tier publisher or a lower publisher mm-hmm. or I'll self-publish or, yeah, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. That's awesome. So um, just coming back to your series, what do you hope people take away from it? Um, how do you want them to feel at the end of your stories? Yeah, so, so every, at the end of every novel, I want them to be absolutely hanging out for the next one and almost a little bit annoyed if it's not ready um yeah yeah, definitely um 
which because that's good that's what you want um but it also means they're invested and they care there's nothing nothing worse than that feeling of pushing through the end of a novel yeah which we've all done yeah. you know and you're like well i've got to complete it so i'll just keep going and you get to the end of it because you know you get to the end of that you're probably not going to pick up the next one because yeah definitely. you know or, or if someone says look you got to read this thing. You just got to kind of push through the first six, mm. uh, six chapters. And then, you know, that really is like, oh man, I don't want to write anything like that. And mm. I know I'm a fairly impatient reader and writer these days. Mm. So I'll, you know, get into the action very, very quickly. So mm. I suppose there's that on a practical level, but I also, I've had, I never get this. I'm not an overly emotional, uh, person when i'm reading and writing and that sort of stuff mm. but the third novel in the whiplash series there was a moment where something happens and i actually started to tear up and it was Ooh. weird and embarrassing at the same time no one's around so no one knows <laughs> but it's so weird and and a little bit embarrassing i thought why am i but then i thought hang on if i watch a movie where something like this happens i'm going to tear up and i'll be embarrassed about that as well but that's the way i'm, I'm wired yeah. so it, it it hit home to me that I feel for these characters that they have a life of their own. And when things happen to them, which is that dramatic, mm. it, it hurts me. And mm. uh, that's great. And that's exactly what I want for the, the readers to feel that same sort of guttural connection to, to the characters. Awesome. So in terms of feedback you've been getting from audiences so far, what, mm -hmm. what type of feedback have you been getting? And has there been a certain audience that have really loved your books? Uh, this is a hard one. This, this is something mm. I've really, we all really struggle with, I think, as yeah. writers, is, is trying to get enough feedback. Um, and there's reviews, but reviews aren't the same as just a reader contacting you out of the blue and saying, hey, I love this, I love that. Mm. Um, fortunately, I'm, I'm working with some really good indie editors that have helped me hugely in the last um, couple of years to, because they're kind of a, a first blank reader of this mm -hmm. thing that I've built in private. Yeah. Um, so even their feedback has been really, really good to, for things that I, I think, well, that wouldn't be important. Why would people want to know that? But then they've said, well, I'm a as a reader, I want to know more about this little thing that you just skipped over. Like yeah. I'm interested in that thing. So those sorts of things would be really interested. Yeah. The, the feedback that I tend to get is um, uh, I, I couldn't stop reading um when's the next one come out it was too small awesome. um so okay. which is which is good uh and i get the too small thing because again they're, they're short novels they're not long long novels um um so there's definitely a hunger there and people enjoy it and they love uh, the, the other piece of positive feedback was all uh the world building they love it's very mm. easy for them to situate themselves in the world and everything which that really uh hearing that makes me feel very happy because that's yeah. something i try to do but you don't always know if it's working yeah. or i've been in that world for so long i think does anyone else get this if i'm just hinting yeah. at something is that enough yeah. or is, but they seem to be getting it which is, yeah. which is really really cool um i think in terms of audience the people that like those sorts of sci-fi fantasy, immersive world sorts of stories. Um, what, what I'm, so the thing I'm struggling for, and, and honestly, I'll give you free copies of everything I've got. If you will do me this favor, I'm desperate for people to tell me what is my writing like, mm. because at the moment, like whiplash, for example, the examples I get, are, uh, the matrix, um, um, inception, Mm. uh those sorts of things which is that's great but they're films yeah like, tell true. me a book that's that's of a similar yeah. sort yeah. of thing and yeah. 
a part part of that is the way that I write is more, I suppose, film based than the novel or traditional novel based, which is fine. But mm. that I'm still struggling to find out. You know, when you put your blurb on your own book and say it's like this, I'm still trying to find, and I'm trying to read books that are. Mm. It's not to say my stuff is incredibly unique or anything. It's just, I, I, it's hard. There's so much out there. It's hard to find things that line up with what yours is necessarily. To go, oh, it's kind of like a, you know, a version of this. Mm. Um, but yeah, and also because of the comic books that I do, that there's a definite divide in the audience. There are some that will never read a novel and they will only read comics. There's some yeah. that will never read comics. And, and then there are some that are kind of in the middle and they'll read yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, so on a practical level as well, there, there are those two distinct audiences yeah. and then the kind of blend in the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, now that we've gone over your books um, a bit, you've got to tell us, um, what books are you planning on releasing soon? And if so, could you give us a little bit of insight into these books? Right. Okay. So, yeah, Whiplash is out now. And as I said, Whiplash 2 and 3 will come out later in this year. We just, I just have to work with the publisher on when that happens. Um, there's, there's basically a pipeline. And there's, as I mentioned earlier, I've, I've written, I might have mentioned, I can't remember. Much. Anyway, I've written, uh, this is my 10th novel I'm writing now. Mm. but you'll only find one of them if you go looking because the rest are still in the pipeline working yeah. their way through. Um, so they're, they're, they're on their way. But uh, I'm self-publishing uh, a book which comes out on the 15th of March. It's called The Seven Hungers. It's yeah. the, the one I mentioned earlier. It's a horror fantasy epic kind of thing. Uh, it is At the moment, it's only on Kindle, but I'll probably release in paperback uh, as well. Um, it is essentially about a crown sorcerer so think modern world um but where sorcery kind of exists uh and only certain people know about it there's this organization called the crown who kind of govern the whole thing and there is this censured uh, sorcerer who did a very very bad thing 10 years ago and as a result has been stuck in london and not allowed to move anywhere else uh, for the last 10 years um and essentially the, the story is he gets brought in to an investigation um, because of something called an emergence. So the, the, the underlying plot is essentially beneath our world or our reality, there are seven realities below that and they're called hungers. And the reason why they're called hungers is because uh, some stuffy academic termed them hungers, you know, 80 years before the, the story takes place. And so it just sort of took. And the reason why he called them hungers was because it's more of a verb um, mm. because they're, they're actively trying to impinge on our world. And it's, it's kind of like hell, hell worlds, but not more of a fantasy sort of bent. And an emergence is when something comes through from one of those realms into our realm. And the, the crown's whole deal is we want to squash that. We want to maintain you know, our world and keep it safe and all that sort of stuff. So this guy, uh, Drake, uh, Ambrose Drake is his name. He gets called in from London, comes on over to uh, Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> let's do it for, for the Aussies. So the emergence takes place within uh, Brisbane. He comes over to Brisbane uh, to take a look at it. And, and essentially the only reason why they've brought him over and temporarily given him a reprieve because he's the only sorcerer that has traveled to all seven hungers uh, uh, because uh, travel is forbidden. You're not allowed to. Uh, awesome. the, the problem with it is, and I won't go into too much detail, but the problem with it is the first person he meets when he gets to the emergence site is his ex-wife, mm -hmm. who is the head, the lead agent in charge of the investigation. 
and the person that turned him into the crown 10 years earlier and is responsible for his, you know, censure for 10 years. So, so that's, that's the (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so finally, could you please share with us how people can get in contact with you and get a hands-on copy of your books? Yeah, so the, the books are sold, uh, you know, worldwide through anywhere. If you just type in Morgan Quaid, you'll, you'll see what I've currently got. Um, if you want to see what's upcoming or just getting in contact, if you just go to morganquaid.com uh, or find me on social media, I'm, I'm pretty well everywhere these days. Um, and um, yeah, on my site, I'll have details of what's coming up and when and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm always keen to meet fellow creatives and collaborate and all that sort of stuff. Um, but also uh, read avid readers that just like to read and give feedback or reviews or anything like that. So by, by all means, get in touch. I'm happy to, um, to oblige there as well. Yeah. Awesome, Morgan. This conversation has been great. Thank you so much for joining me today. No um, problem. It's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, for everyone who's watching this video, if you haven't already, remember to check out the social media links below. Everything Morgan just mentioned, um, make sure to put it in, in the description section. Um, also, if you'd like to meet other awesome writers and learn about our journeys and how our writing has developed, don't forget to like and subscribe. But um, yeah, that's us for now, guys. Thanks, Heath, for joining us. I'll catch up with you soon. So, stay safe. Take care. Catch up. Cheers.